It is Thursday, December 7th, 2023. This is another edition of Baseball Today. That is, who is that? You know my who man. I am, Chris. Oh, that's my man, Trevor Plouffe. I am Chris Rose, producer Dan, along for the ride as well. It feels like I haven't seen you since the end of the season when the Rangers were kissing the commissioner's trophy. Where you been? Dude, uh, it's been a wild couple of weeks for me. I got sick, then I oh. had some stuff to do. I was doing some charity in Las Vegas. That's why I got the hat on. Um, I have been following you guys. Thank you to to Jolly and to to Biebers and to you, Chris, for you know filling in for me and, and making sure I could do these things. But uh, I'm so happy to be back. I love talking ball with you. You know that. Yeah. And we got a lot of stuff to talk about. So right when Please. I come back, bam. Splash happens. Let's go, man. All right. Well, we missed you. Uh, Jolly and BBD did a great job, um, you know, making all that great content down there at the winter meetings. Glad they had so much fun. It was Jolly's initial voyage. I know BBD was there last year in San Diego and I think years prior. So good for them Uh, and good for all Yankees fans. It's why I'm donning the cap of that squad today. Juan Soto, Trent Grisham to New York for five players in return to San Diego, including pitchers Michael King, Johnny Brito. One of their top pitching prospects in Drew Thorpe and Randy Vasquez, and also the catcher Haile Gashioka. Soto's 25. He's entering the final year of his contract before free agency. So if he doesn't get extended, does this deal make sense for the pinstripers? Obviously, that's not the best case scenario. They want to bring this guy in. They want to show him New York. They want him to fall in love with New York, a, a, a DR kid in the Bronx. They want this thing to be magical for him. So they have a chance to maybe flash some numbers at him to keep him there long-term. So I, I, I do believe that's the plan. Like they want to see Juan Soto in pinstripes for the rest of his career. Now, is that going to happen uh, during the season or is he going to test free agency for real with Boris? It seems like that's probably what he's going to do. Um, but I've said this before on the show, Chris. I think there are times where an organization needs to take a chance or needs to shine themselves up a little bit, especially if you're the Yankees. How I mean, how many times have we said and fans have said like over the last couple of years, let's start acting like the Yankees again. Like, let's not, you know, try to win on the margins and and and, and win here, win there. Like, let's go get a proven major leaguer to put in this lineup with Judge. We've talked about it so much and they did it, dude. And the price was it was high. I mean, there's some good pitchers there and they gave up on them. And you know what? They kind of need some of those guys this year. They're going to have to fill that some other way. But I think there are times in an organizational's lifespan that they have to make a leap. And that's what the Yankees did. And getting Juan Soto in pinstripes is awesome for the brand, even if it is for just one year. And it, it, it's when you have an offensive year like they did last year, okay, without judge. Take Judge out of the equation. They were just, they were putrid. It was bad. Mm-hmm. If you're able to correct a lot of that with one move and it be a guy like Juan Soto who's on pace to be a Hall of Famer, I like it, man. Even if it is for one year, I like it. But I, I obviously think the Yankees are expecting to be engaged in some sort of talks to keep them there long term. I, I, I give it a thumbs up, dude. I really, really do. Yeah, to me, it was a no-brainer. I mean, we talked about the possibility a few weeks ago. I said the only place I could see him ending up because of the match that made sense for what the Padres wanted to try and do, which was get a con- you know considerably younger in the pitching department and cheaper, was the New York Yankees who needed that left-handed stick. And in a 24-hour span, they trade for Perdugo, and then they really one-up everybody, and they go get Juan Soto. Now, I would, I think I have kind of a contrarian opinion about the Yankees being back. 
When I think about the Yankees being back, I think about them making Reggie Jackson the highest paid player in the sport in the 70s. I think about them making Dave Winfield the highest paid player in North American sports at the time in the early 80s. I think about them going out and getting Alex Rodriguez with seven years left on a 10-year, $250 million contract. I think of them, you know, doing um, the CC deal and Mark Teixeira in 2009 and then trading for Giancarlo Stanton when he still had hundreds of millions of dollars left on a trip. This is taking a guy in who's got one year left. Any team really could have taken this on. Let's be honest. Now, they might not have had the return that the Padres would have wanted, but anybody could have justified taking on Juan Soto for 32 or $33 million and one season. It may not have made the most sense. So to me, I actually applaud the Yankees because they've been able to develop this much pitching to give up seven players over a 24-hour span to pick up Verdugo and Soto. To me, I want to give them a pat on the back for that, not for being the big old spend thrift spending Yankees because that's not what this is yeah but developing pitching and turning like kind of the organizational philosophy into that over the last couple of years great it's it's it got you this pitching to get Juan Soda but your offense suffered because of it because you weren't making those deals like you said so now you're trying to remedy the fact that you didn't have that offense with Soto I, I think it is a big move Chris this isn't like a little move I mean you talk about the self-imposed, I always have to say that self-imposed, uh, you know, tax thresholds and 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 penalties that they have. I mean, this is going to cost them more than the $33 million that he's going to be making. Like the, in, it keeps them in that tier. There's a lot of things that go along with this that does make it a big money play for them. And I think they are taking a risk because if you do have them for one year, great. Like I said, I, I do applaud the move, but the, the hope is Juan Soto for the rest of his career. And they should not be done this offseason like no. I'm expecting them to go get a pitcher you know even maybe even Yamamoto who they're rumored to be heavily involved in that's to me is the Yankees yes that but that's that's what I'm talking about that's the yeah. next move yes um in recent years for whatever reason they haven't gone out and gotten Bryce Harper or Manny Machado or Corey Seager or any of those guys who would have helped this team and yeah what Bryce Harper's a tough one for me that I mean he, that was you got to go get that guy Okay, right, right. And That's so, a tough one for me. Yes, from that standpoint, I understand why people are flexing their muscles and saying the Yankees are back. But I don't know. To me, that only really comes to fruition if they continue to spend this offseason. We'll talk about that momentarily. And if they're able to extend Soto. Like, are they going to be willing to walk out on that diving board and jump in a pool where they have, they have to spend $500 million, perhaps? Because he already turned down 440 from one team. So it might be up to 500. We we don't know. And if he has a bang up year in the Bronx, hell yeah, you better believe that price tag is going to go up. It's not going to be enough, in my opinion, to just say, hey, you want to wear a Yankees hat the rest of your career? Like he doesn't have any tie to the Yankees. He might like the Yankees. He might admire them from a distance. He might enjoy the hell out of his season here. But we don't know what drives him moving forward. I think winning this year in New York and having a you know somewhat really special uh, year will help that. But you're talking, you can't fix what is going on with the Yankees with just one move. I mean, it definitely nope. helps. You, you, this is like a you know three, four, five step process. You got to take the first step, Chris, and they did in a massive way. Yes. By the way, very quickly on this, his numbers in San Diego were down considerably from his first four and a half years in the big leagues with uh, 
with Washington. His batting average dipped 26 points. His on-base percentage, which was still over 400, was down 22 points. His OPS was down 73 points. Some people will say Petco Park had a lot to do with that. Do you have any concern with with those dips in numbers at all? No. I, don't I mean, he, he rebounded and put up some really elite numbers. You know, I don't even know when it started. After May or June last year, yeah. he really got back to those elite levels. He's going into a walk year, people. This guy is going to be laser focused. And I, I expect those numbers to be, you know, he's going to be a 900 OPS guy at least this year. Oh, I mean, he's a career. What is it? 946? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's insane. And by the way, this is all, even if it is for one year, and we're not going to know for a while, because I think at this time next year, he'll be the biggest free agent available. I don't expect him to get extended during his time uh, during the season. Gary Cole's 33. Judge is going to be 32 next year. Giancarlo Stanton, who I don't know what the hell they're going to do with him, is 34. Can we talk about that for a second? Yeah, there's, they need to make some... Right. They need to shuffle some things around, yes. Yes, because Trent Grisham isn't just a throw-in. He automatically becomes far and away their best defensive outfielder. Okay? So if you play this out and people are like, yeah, he could be a late-inning defensive replacement. So that means you're taking Verdugo out of the lineup when Giancarlo Stanton is the DH, most likely. On days where Soto's the DH, this isn't that big a deal. But on days where Stanton's the DH or somebody else is the DH, you've got to make some moves here. We have to also remember one other thing, that the game is played by human beings. So for people to say that Alex Verdugo is going to be fine with whatever role he has, that's an everyday ball player, dude. One thing he doesn't do is miss games. So you think he's going to be okay with what? He's been an everyday ball player, but there are some platoon-ish issues with him. I mean, he's not a lefty masher by any means. I think that's what they will do. If they, if they decide to keep Judge in, or put Judge in center field, mm-hmm. and then you put Verdugo in left, Soto in right, or vice mm-hmm. versa, whatever, uh, yes, I think you have Trent Grisham come in probably for Verdugo uh, at the end of games. I think they're fine with that as long as stands the itching. But you still have Jason Dominguez and other guys yeah, who are knocking point. on the door. So, like, they, there's... There's a crunch here, a roster crunch, mm-hmm. that something is going to go down. I, I, I believe that. Would you say adios to Giancarlo Stanton? Would you eat money and just say, hey, listen, dude, we don't have a spot for you? Because they've got too many guys that, I mean, DJ LeMahieu can't play the field every day. And then you're going to have to DH Soto at some point. You're going to want to get Judge off his feet. Like, after the year that he had last season and what Brian Cashman said about him, does it, does it make sense? Or you just bite the bullet and say, see ya? I don't think you release him or do anything like that. I think you could maybe try to eat money and trade him. Uh, that's uh, definitely a possibility. I don't know, man. I just have this. I guess I just have a, an image of Stanton of carrying a team because he can when he's healthy and he's performing well. But it is a there's a lot of kind of a lot of bodies there for not enough positions. So you have to figure mm-hmm. out what's the best way forward and. If they're, you know, trying to add more payrolls, you know, sometimes you got to cut somewhere else. Maybe, maybe it's a, a stand trade. I think a lot of teams would be open to it if they, if they I did too. ate some money, and then now you're only paying X amount for Giancarlo Stanton. You're taking a risk there. I think there'd be a lot of uh, suitors for that. I don't know what the return would be, but it's a way for them to shed payroll with getting something back. Exactly. I think that's the way it goes down eventually, if you ask me. So there's still plenty of moves to be made, uh, even after picking up Soto and Grisham and Verdugo over the last 24 hours. Where does New York stand in the pecking order of the American League East and the American League overall? 
this is tough for me to answer because we just like talked up the Yankees a lot and said, hey, great job. You made this move. But I, I don't have them anywhere better than third in the AL East. Who do you have ahead of them? Baltimore How can and Tampa? you not put Baltimore over them right now? You, you kind of have to, right? We're talking currently constructed. Zero yes, season. currently, because yeah. there's, right, we don't know who's doing what in the offseason. More season. moves. Yeah. I think you can't you can't put them above Baltimore. Baltimore just won 101 games last year. Can't put them above Baltimore. Okay. Maybe you will. Okay. I won't. Uh, I don't think you can put them above Tampa, who just won 99 games last year. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're going to trade away Glass now, but they have Glass now as of right now. Yep. So then it's like, okay, I think they match up well with Toronto. I think they're probably above Boston. So they're third or fourth in the American League East, which is crazy. It's a very good league. Um, I think they're going to get better, but it's currently constructed. I, I can't put them above those two teams. Can you? No, because I look at the back end of their rotation and the question marks. I mean, I'm sorry. Do we automatically think that Carlos Rodon is going to bounce back to his year in San Francisco and his last one with the White I Sox? So. I I mean, they need him to. But if he doesn't, he was. I mean, he was hurt half the year. And then when he came in, he was horrible. He was horrible. So is this going to be one of those contracts where we look at it and say, we don't know. We don't know because it's not like there's more question marks with his career overall than answers. The high the high points have been very high. But the guy almost quit baseball because he was non-tendered by the White Sox. And I get it with all the injuries he had had. So we have to see. That's That's curious. I do want to know what Nestor's all about still. You know, he's coming off an injury-plagued season. And then the back end of their rotation is question marks. Now, they can answer those easily, whether it's Yamamoto or they go elsewhere. We hear that they talk to Chris. Oh, they have? Yes, absolutely. Seven, if you give up seven pitchers over two days, your depth is going to get tested. It just is. And the Yankees, with the exception of Garrett Cole, have had a lot of guys who just haven't been healthy. So you can't say, well, if we do this and if we do that, you need to go do it. And that means going, is Yamamoto a must for them? It'd be nice. I don't know if it's a must, but another starter is a must. I mean, they're not going to go pay Blake Snell after they just did that. That doesn't seem right anyway. I don't don't see Blake Snell. Yamamoto is going to demand just a high contract as Blake Snell. So Higher. Yeah, higher. So... I, I, they have to address it some way, whether it's via trade, whether it's via free agency. Uh, I'm curious. I think they're, I think they want Yamamoto. I think that's probably the number one goal right now. And if they did that, and we're, we're talking about the Yankees are back, exactly. That's when I would shift my thought process to that, to being back to being the Yankees. That's a big deal for me. Um, where do I have them? God, do I'm such a bad man for saying I think I need Baltimore to show me again. Oh my. We what? did this all last year, C. Rosie. Me and you did this all last year, questioning, I know. questioning, questioning. And Gunnar Henderson is like, you guys are stupid. And they said that Jackson Holiday is going to have every chance to earn a roster spot in spring training. Who's, whose lineup would you rather have? I have the Yankees lineup up right now. I'm like, it's, it's pretty good. It's really good. Really good. If everyone's healthy, if everyone's performing at their highest levels, it's really good. I mean, there's been some down do spots for some of these guys. Um, lineup. I think the Yankees now probably slightly, slightly, which is crazy to say, to be honest with you. Yeah, but it, I don't think it's significant. 
Yeah, I mean, me neither. I mean, you just added Juan Soto. That helps a lot. So, right, right. Like, if you asked me this before this year, or the, the trade, I would say 100% the Orioles. Juan Soto just does something for me. Yeah. Um. So I guess I would put the Rays ahead of them just based on their track record and how they figure shit out. Toronto, to me, is the one. I don't know. I don't. The fact they didn't score any runs against your team in the playoffs makes me scratch my head because I look at their team and I'm like, they don't have a ton of weaknesses. They've got a really good rotation. They got guys that can just mash. They got guys that could hit for average. They have athletic dudes. Like I expect them to be better. I I mean I th- I put them right with the Yankees right now. Yeah, me too. Right, right in line. Somewhere there, yeah. It's gonna be fun. All right. So if you look at the records last year, the Yankees finished eighty two and eighty, I believe which was the same exact record as the Juan Soto-led San Diego Padres. So why do we think it'll work with Soto in New York, even though it really didn't in San Diego? And they had a ton of talent, too. Well, I think I'm just banking on Soto being him from the get-go, which will help out in the win-loss department uh, with the Yankees. But also, remember, I think San Diego was much better than that record indicated. They had some weird stuff going on last year. I, it's, I believe, 9-23 and 23 in one-run games, 2-12 yes. and whatever, 2-12 and 12 or something like that in extra innings. Like, if you just average those out to 500 ball, we're talking about a 90-plus win team. So, like, it was just a weird season in San Diego last year. They lost ball games um, at a rate that they probably shouldn't have lost ball games. So I think just thinking that way, the Yankees. I think it was an anomaly last year in San Diego. I think we, I think we have another question coming up here about them. I think mm-hmm. the Padres. In, in, we saw the worst of the Padres. I really do believe that last year. Yeah, and I don't know. Well, Expected to even out, I guess. I don't know. You know, I've talked a lot about. Um, chemistry and bad mixes, not bad guys, but bad mixes with teams. You know, we saw it with the White Sox over the last couple of years. I wonder if San Diego was that last season. I mean, I thought they had everything they needed to go from the NLCS in 2022 to the World Series in 2023 and maybe even lift that trophy, right? I mean, go look at the lineup they freaking yes. had. They brought back Tatis after the first three weeks of the year. They had Machado, uh, you know, they brought in Xander, Jake Cronenworth, solid baseball player. And then go look at their rotation. Blake Snell had already won one Cy Young. You Darvish, Joe Musgrove, Seth Lugo was a good pitcher in whatever role you were going to put him in. And oh yeah, by the way, they had arguably the best closer in baseball in Josh Hader. And they won 82 freaking games. So I looked at the Padres from last year with Juan Soto in the lineup. You can't definitely tell me that the Yankees as presently constructed are way better than them. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I, but I, I also think that the Padres, there was, it wasn't necessarily, I know it's results. It's results. It's, it is what happened, but I think it was just more of an anomaly year than anything. Mm-hmm. Like w- with what I stated the, in the one run games and the extra inning games, I don't think we've seen anything like that in a long time. No, no, you're right. That's right. And sometimes you just, you have a bad season. Whether I, and I don't know if I, if I agree with you on like the clubhouse chemistry type thing. I I I, I talked to some guys who said it was all good there. So oh no, I'm I'm saying I don't know. I yeah. said I'm wondering out loud because when you have that much talent and you're a 
500 baseball team, you're looking for reasons that shit went wrong. They only Soto was the only everyday ball player that had an OPS over 800. Forget about 900, over 800. Here's what I'll say. Maybe there are times, and uh, again, like this is me just kind of talking out loud or thinking out loud. Excuse me, talking out loud. Um, sometimes you get you got a bunch of dudes now who are just earning a lot of money in that clubhouse. The drive factor has to now come from just like straight up gut and heart because you've made it. And if you just expect things to keep going as like just doing it the same thing and expecting like better results or the same results, that doesn't always happen in the big league. So you have to, they have to take a look at themselves in the mirror and say, what did we do wrong last year? Was it, Hey, we weren't preparing like when we were hungry for victories or a a, a paycheck. If that's the case, you got to get back to that because you can't just do what happened last year. Like something has to change, whether it's the tenacity or the work ethic or whatever it is, you got to get back to that being like a hungry ball player, you know, a, a baseball rat type situation. And it's hard to do that when you got 35, $40 million coming your way every single year. That has to come from within. They got to find that somehow. See Rosie. All right, so let's continue to focus uh, on the San Diego Padres a little bit. Because of this deal, they end up saving about $40 million in arbitration money between Soto and Grisham. They stockpile a bunch of young arms, many of whom will be on the 2024 opening day roster. Here is A.J. Preller on the Titanic shift. Again, like trading, putting you know, impact, A-lane, you know, perennial all-star, Hall of Fame type player, those are... You like you like when you're acquiring those type of players for sure. Yeah, it's very difficult to, to make a deal where you're we're trading a player to Cabo Juan Soto, but if we did that, we wanted to make sure we shored up a bunch of needs. We were able to get some depth with quality. I mean, I think uh, and we'll talk about it, I'm sure, but you know, Michael Kane, Drew Thorpe, um, you know, just to name two, we think we think really highly of these guys. All right, is this a mini rebuild on the fly in San Diego, or is it still a true contender? I think they're still a true contender. I think that they had to make a decision. And I think I think they did the right thing, to be honest with you. I mean, if they weren't mm-hmm. going to lock up Soto, which they weren't, um, they can't, basically. They needed to go out and trade him, and they thought this was the best package. And a lot of times, you know, for teams, pitching is king, dude. And how about that punt? Pitching is king. I like that. Um, so they, they did what they had to do. I mean, there was other financial implications of this. You know, there's something called a debt service ratio that you have to be in uh, compliance with with Major League Baseball that the Padres had to shave some money to get back to that. So they knew payroll-wise that this move needed to be made or some move to get that money off the books need to be made. And, you know, when you're looking at a guy like Juan Soto who's in his walk year, it is tough, like he said, to trade a, a player like that, especially they get up a lot. Like thinking about it now, like, you gave up a lot to get Juan Soto over. Hell yes, there. I guess you did. Juan so- yeah, Juan Soto and Josh Bell. Um, it's difficult to make that decision, but I think their hand was kind of their hands were tied right here. It was kind of forced, like they had to cut payroll. And when you're looking at the roster, and you got a guy in his walk year who has Scott Boris as his, as his agent, he's going to test free agency most likely. You have to make a deal, and I think they obviously knew that the industry knew that, and this was the best deal for them. Okay. I get that. So I don't think you it's, didn't answer your, I didn't answer your question. I, I did. I, said, I think they're still a contender. I said okay. that. So I did answer the question. I don't think it's a rebuild, a mini rebuild. No. Do you have, are they better than the Diamondbacks? Whom we'll discuss in a moment. I mean, they just added a big piece. Um, 
I, I would put them on the same level. Yeah. Okay. I do. Are I they better than the Dodgers? Dodgers need to make some moves as currently constructed. Yeah, I put all those three teams on the same level, which we're going to wow. talk about. Okay, so I that do, makes Chris. A... The Dodgers have a massive pitching problem right now that they need to address. Yeah. So to me, the interesting thing is going to be to see what they do with the dollars they just saved in San Diego. Um, their TV contract situation is an ungodly mess. We know that at the end of last year, they had to take out a line of credit just to meet payroll. That can't happen again. You just talked about what, what was that thing that you called it with baseball? Debt compliance? service ratio. Okay. And that service ratio. Okay. Using these big terms on me again. Um, so I don't know exactly where their finances stand, but the people I've talked to in San Diego fully expect them to be adding payroll. They need to, right? Whether it's the back end of the rotation, they need to find some outfielders, right? Are they going to go get Lee from Korea? We'll see. Um, that's what we keep hearing is that he's going to be their new center fielder because right now it's Tatis and two empty spots, in my opinion. Um, dude, the Cronenworth deal is horrible for them. God, just thinking about it. You can't just be giving money away, goo gobs of money. Come on, what are we doing there? Um, and they need some back end of the bullpen help. So we'll see. I'll answer your question. I think right now they're they feel like an eighty-five win team. I don't think that's enough to win a division. But I think Talk that they the could get into Talk a Talk to the Phillies, they're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I think they I think they will compete for a wild card once once this roster is completed. So it's terrible because you ended up getting Juan Soto and giving up possibly your shortstop of the future and a guy that certainly could help you in the rotation. And I don't know what Hassel's going to turn into. He hasn't quite made the strides they thought he would in D.C.'s farm system yet. Um, and then you end up selling him uh, 80 cents on the dollar, I guess. Probably. Yeah. When, when could they have gotten more from? Last year? At the break? Yeah, Possibly, maybe. I think that I, I I honestly think they did a good job. It feels like it. I mean, I yeah. I like Michael King. He's the only one we've really seen on a consistent basis. We saw Brito at times, and mm -hmm. Vasquez a little bit, and Drew Thorpe reads great. I mean, he reads unbelievably well. I like. There's another reason why King I think was a very valuable piece for them be, because they view him as a starter now, and he ended up starting mm -hmm. against the Yankees last year. But you know, he was mostly a reliever. And now, because in arbitration you have all the platform years, he's his dollar amount is going to be matched with that of a reliever and not necessarily right. a starter. So, like, he's Perfect. capped at whatever it's going to be. Yeah. You know, he's not going to make more than $10 million even in his final year of arbitration because of all the innings he logged as a reliever. So, yeah. it's valuable. Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting. I feel, I feel for Padres fans, though. That sucks, man. I know what it's like to have to give away your best player. It's not. They got a lot of stars there, though. That's the stars aren't their they problem, do. man. Stars aren't their problem. They, they need to They're round right. out that roster with with serviceable, you know, well, kind of not fillers, but you know, you got to round the roster out. Their stars did not hit like stars last year. Yeah, they need that. That's what I'm saying. There's you got when you're freaking making that money, C Rose. There's a lot you of things that come along it. with that that you want to do and experience, but you got to get back to. Well, baseball rat. Because if you don't, this league is too fucking good, dude. It, it is the it is the difference between the two sports that I cover. If you get paid like here, 
in the NFL and you produce like here, you end up there. But if you, in baseball, if you get paid here and you produce here, there ain't nothing they could do. So you have to produce. It's very simple. Or you end up just the guy with a big contract. All right, last one. Um, Passant says that uh, Erod to the Diamondbacks, four years, 80 mil, with an option that could take it to almost 100 mil. That's a vesting option in 2027 for pitching just 150 innings. So are there fewer questions about the Arizona Diamondbacks than the Los Angeles Dodgers as we sit today? Yes. I will say that definitively, yes. There are fewer question marks with the roster. I, I still don't know whose roster I'm taking as currently constructed. I think mm-hmm. the Dodgers make some massive moves here. I think we all expect that. Uh, but I don't know if they need to do much else. They, they've kind of, I, I think their offseason might be done if you're the Diamondbacks. Maybe a reliever here or there. Maybe, right. maybe something. But, I mean, their lineup is pretty much set. Now all of a sudden you got a three-headed monster at the top of your rotation plus Brandon Fott, who like we saw him during the playoffs do his thing. Like we we're, we're looking at a team now that's kind of set. They have uh-huh. their back end of their bullpen. They have their rotation. They have their lineup. So question marks, yeah, I would say they have less question marks than the Dodgers for sure. Doesn't mean they have a better roster or going to end up with a better roster or whatever. But as of right now, I would say one hundred percent they they have their team. This is their team. Great. We saw what they can do when they get hot. I like it. And they got their they, manager locked up. They've got their budding superstar in Corbin Carroll. They added a Eugenio Suarez, which I think is, you know, a nice piece for them. Depending on where he is in this career. Last year, we spent a lot of time, at least I did, questioning whether or not the Diamondbacks were a serious second half contender. Because, sure, Gallon and Kelly, great. Who's going to pitch the other three days? And quite frankly, they didn't know. I mean, let's remember, Brandon Fott was a huge question mark when they gave him the ball in the postseason. And he ended up lighting it up because he certainly didn't do that during the regular season. Mm -mm. But now they're hoping that that's who he is moving forward. And if so, you have got four really dependable starters heading into the year. And that's more than I can say for the Los Angeles Dodgers because I don't know what that rotation looks like. There's way too many question marks. So the answer is yes. And great job by the Diamondbacks organization to not just say, okay, well, we made it this year. That's good enough. They went out and spent some dough. They picked up more payroll in the Suarez deal, and that's the way you got to roll. Reward your fans. And Erod's a lefty, so now you add that element to your rotation. Like, everything, this this was, I guess I didn't, this makes so much sense. I don't know why I didn't really have this, like, in my brain, Diamondbacks going out and getting Erod. I thought somebody else would try to go snatch him, but they did it, man. Yeah. It was good. And by the way, remember when he turned down the trade to the Dodgers and everybody said, well, that's going to affect his money. Now, some people said to me last night on Twitter when I made that point, they're like, well, $20 million a year isn't that big a deal for a starting pitcher. It's like for a guy who's about to turn 31 with a career ERA over four. I don't know. $80 million over four years sounds pretty good. And I believe something like 10% saved in taxes. Plus, he's going to have a shot at $100 million over five years. Like I don't know if I don't know if three years ago I was thinking of Eduardo Rodriguez as a hundred million dollar pitcher. He had one se- he's a he had one season where he was a strikeout dude, but he's coming off his best ERA plus of his career. I don't know. I think he did pretty well. 
I think he did well too. And I'm looking him up real quick because I I want to say like he's just an innings eater as well. I don't mm. I want to get it up in front of me. Mm. Okay. So so. 34 games started in 19, 31 and 21, and then last year 26. Okay, so yeah. maybe not the innings either I expected to see. Um, but nonetheless, great job by Arizona. Uh, very quickly, just uh, Jamer Candelario late on Wednesday night signed a three-year, $45 million deal with the Reds, which means that a team that has somebody. a ton of position players, somebody's hitting the road. Somebody's hitting the road for pitching. They keep telling us it's not Jonathan India, but it might be. I mean, Candelario is probably their third baseman, right? Yes. Yeah, Here, here's my thought process on the whole thing. And then Cincinnati Reds fans, you know your team better than I know your team. But yes. I think at this point, Jonathan India is a very solid baseball player. I actually would look to keep him because I think he's going to cost less than some of these other guys. And you can get a better return for some of the younger guys right now who, like, you know, they've uh, been good at the major level, but maybe don't have a huge track record. I think you go ship one of those guys out, get some pitching, and then try to keep India there because he's a great clubhouse leader, he's presence blue, guy. Like you, keep him. Get rid of one of the young guys. Get some pitching. You have your third baseman. I, I think that's the way you got to roll. And sometimes it hurts to give up one of those young guys who you think has so much promise, but they're close, man. Like they, go do, go make a deal. I mean, they're listen. They have set themselves up. I think they've done very well here in the off season, right? They just added. Nick Martinez, Emilio Pagan is a guy with when he's going well, can certainly help your bullpen. But yeah, they've got too many dudes now. And I don't know if that means you go get a one year rental. I don't know if that means you go. We keep hearing that they're interested in Tyler Glass now. That's a good one. I mean, I don't know if you can get Bieber from the Guardians right now with the way they're constructed, but I know that the Guardians need bats. They need some corner outfield bats. I don't, you know, the problem is that the Reds have too many infielders. So I don't know if any of those dudes can be turned into outfielders. I don't want to talk about the Guardians and corner outfielders. I can't. I'm sorry. You might have to at some point. All right. Uh, what was the best thing about Vegas other than the obvious? Oh, dude. Um, it's a great charity. Still got game foundation. Um, does it? They put a great event on it's golf, poker. But the best thing is just hanging with the guys. I mean, it's a lot of like old school uh, ball players. Eddie Murray, I just sit there and talk to him. Uh, Kenny Lofton, your guy is there. I didn't know he played for like eleven teams. Him and oh, Troy yeah. were having like a team off. I was, I didn't know Kenny. You played for that many teams. So I'm just shooting the shit with Tory Hunter, John Jones, Latroy Hawkins, and then Pujols was there this year. Maddox is there. Maddox looks at me like, who, the f- who are you, bro? But nonetheless, I'm talking to. One of the best pitchers of all time, one of the best hitters of all time. It blows my mind that I'm like able to be friends with these guys. It really does. Aww. I don't take it for granted. So uh to me, that's by far the best part. And it's Olivia cool. looks smoking hot. We t- we went out a couple nights and holy oh, sure. Of course. Smokes. Easy. Settle down now. Um, did Pujols talk to you? A lot. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was Hello, surprised Trevor. because obviously played against him for a lot a, a lot of years. So he was very friendly with me, knew who I was, everything. I was it was cool, man. Hello, Trevor. Good to see you. He's a good golfer. Yeah, he can hit it. I followed him around at Justin Turner's tournament last year. He can hit it a little bit. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, it's good to have you back, man. As long as nothing major breaks, we're not gonna do Friday show. But if it does, we'll be there. And then we'll see you on Monday. All right? 
for our one-of-a-kind producer, Dan Rourke, who has been smiling ear-to-ear ever since the Soto trade, and the returning Trevor Plute. Plus, he's uber-talented. I am Chris Rose. We will see you Monday on Baseball Today.